Podcast, the podcast for women in STEM and education. I am Dr. Richa Chandra. And I am Dr. Amber Miller. Today, we are discussing equity in tech and how the field is evolving. But before we talk about this, please make a donation to our fundraiser to promote equity in STEM by helping women better navigate their career journeys through this podcast, workshops, scholarships, and so much more. Check out the episode notes for information and our website, thewisestwomen.com. But before we jump into equity in tech, Richa, how are you dressed for success today? So today I'm dressed very differently than I normally do because, you know, I don't usually wear my T-shirts unless it's for working out or for going to bed. Um, And it's not me to be so cash, as they say, but I happen to know how casual the tech field is um, in terms of dress codes. A lot of people just work from home or they're busy in their computers coding away. So I decided to honor our fellow steminists in that world who are laboring away at their computers um, by wearing a nerdy t-shirt of my own given to me by our student uh, American Chemical Society organization. Um, And it says I heart um, and it's like kind of like Bohr's atomic model, but like in a heart shape. Um, And then it says USTACS and each of the letters are um, represented by different elements of the periodic table. So I've got I as the iodine, uranium, sulfur, actinium. Um, And I've also been at my computer for about four hours straight, at least two today. definitely need to get moving. (laughs) So I'm feeling that part, right? Like this is what it feels like to be in the tech world. Um, But how about you, Amber? How did you dress for success today? Well, unlike you, I am usually cashed in our t-shirts or whatever. So I'm just continuing that vibe as well. But I'm also wearing one of my alma mater um, long sleeve t-shirts that's for my University of Pacific, which is California, um, where our guest is from today. And so I just you know, even though I'm not like really like I'm half from California, I feel like because I spent time there for college and masters, even though it's not where I grew up, it's still a big part of my like identity and like home vibe. And it really during that time, like I was really living, you know, YOLO, living your life to the fullest. And this really kind of touches on our guests firm belief in this imagining the impossible and then making it happen. Our guest today is the founder of LMGPR and known for her work with futurists and innovators. She excels in the realm of storytelling and uses those skills to propel new companies into the mainstream. Inspired every day by the forward thinkers she works with, our guest is a deep fascination with advancements in AI, automotive, consumer electronics, and more. She is also the host of Before It Happened, a leading narrative podcast featuring visionaries and the moments, events, and realizations that inspired them to change our lives for the better. Joining us today is Donna Laughlin, and we are so excited and thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I am binging on your podcast, not only with myself, but with my team and with my daughter. Oh, well, we appreciate that immensely. And so to just jump right in, right, um, we are going to ask, you know, from the start, the big question, right? Is the tech field evolving towards equity? Well, I, I certainly feel that it is. I think it's been a long path and it's a slow path. And it's going to be something that we all in this sisterhood are going to need to be confidently and aware and, and, and nurturing. And I and I see huge strides. I'm no longer the only woman in 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 the boardroom. Oftentimes I, I have been. 
Um, I see in when I go to technology conferences, and and this year I'm excited. Finally, I'll be going back to the the, the largest consumer electronic show called CES is back in action. But I was just at an automotive show. There are women that are leading automotive and transportation, artificial intelligence, robotics, autonomous technologies, and so I think it's you know it's really beginning. The cookie sheet is greased and. The, we just need to keep recruiting and and inspiring women to take leaps of faith to try think you know try something new in their career if they're already established looking for those opportunities and and the younger generation for those of us who've been in the industry to inspire and ignite and excite you know the young bright minds of the future but you know it's 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 a continuous nurturing you know an evolution so it it's not over. And I guess I'm curious to, to kind of see if you think like, or what you think we will lose, like if we don't do a better job of kind of closing this gender gap. Well, probably a lot of integrity and authenticity. <laughs> I think that one of the things that uh, consumers in general expect when it comes to um, whether it's in healthcare and you have the you know, doctor and the medical staff with, when it comes to um, good, you know, bedside manners and, and, and care, um, hospice care, even, you know, in-home care. Um, if you look at uh, user experience when it comes to consumer electronic products and the things that we covet when we go to the big box stores or just in even in the in the classroom and inspiring people to, to choose careers, if we don't have that integration and the, and the authenticity of having shared voices and, and, and mixed you know, uh, opinions and coming from different perspectives. It's a little bit of a, I think of a revolution that needs to still happen. And if we don't, I think we're going to become very homogenous in what the kinds of products that come to market, what type of, um, you know, the, the, the work culture is going to be homogenous. And so those are things that I, that we're seeing change. And now most companies have a chief culture officer if they're large enough I've heard from my friends that are in the medical field that are in um, working for companies like NASA and working for, you know, established um, hospital or, you know, uh, um, like Kaiser, uh, Permanente, that that is becoming more of a norm as part of their culture as well. So I think human resources as well as C-level executive management are now recognizing. And I think some of the happenings this last uh, year and a half during COVID of those uh, values-based, values-based and, and values-driven consciousness in the workforce, I think are impacting that as well. And I think if we we start with that home base in this hybrid world, not all jobs can be hybrid, but in a hybrid, in, in a, a STEM type of position where you, you might be a, a, an engineer or you might be a school teacher and you can you know work Zoom, right? But if you're a medical doctor, uh, with outside giving medical advice, you're probably not going to have a hybrid job. And we saw how hard the healthcare workers were working. So I do think that, um, I, I think that there's the younger generation and I think the, the Zoomers particularly are going to start pushing all the way up to the boomers that are now beginning to retire and say, we got to do it differently. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it, it's at the individual level. And like you were saying, it's good that these companies have that chief cultural officer, um, you know, and, and 
it's it's kind of mixed, right? Because you you see some people like pushing back on all the diversity and inclusion, you know, because they'll be like any, you know, they'll tell an N equals one story of like, oh, well, I was passed up, you know, and, and I have because of my husband, we have a lot of male friends in in tech, um, you know, and that's like always the argument that you know they'll they'll bring up, and it's always like an N equals one story, right? Like that, oh, this person just because they were female or of minority, they got the promotion and you know, blah, blah, blah. I had all this, you know, it's like, well, you know, and, and it's, it, it's so tough, right? Like, it, and, and they're not boomers. They're not zoomers. They're, you know, millennials and, um, Jen, what am I? Gen Z, Gen X. Getting my alphabet confused. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it's in, in, you know, we we're still going to be a big part of the workforce for like the next 20 years. Right. So, that's that's just so tough for me. So I'm I'm glad that the corporations at least have recognized and are doing it at that level because uh, I, I think it's still a struggle at the individual level. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little bit of a sandwich too. I think West Coast um, Pacific, you know, in California where I am, and the East Coast um, are kind of pushing it, and everything else in between is going to take maybe a little bit longer. But I think eventually the sandwich is all going to come together, and uh, you know, so if you you know if you look at the major metros in you know New York, Chicago, um, you know San Francisco, Bay Area, particularly in tech, you get Austin, you have Atlanta. You you know you have all these kind of tech belts. But I think in and when you look at even cities like uh, Washington D.C., which you know there's a lot of uh, medical research and science and and tech in those cities. So you know all each one of these cities are going to have their own little thumbprint. I think. But I think as if we're going to look as a, a sisterhood, we can absolutely influence with our own community and help push that and canvas that out. So that's like the perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you about next. So speaking of the meat of the sandwich, um, since we're in Houston, Texas and close to Austin, um, you know, the, the all the conversations, all the buzz around here has been Austin's the next Silicon Valley. And so, you know, like you were saying, every place has its own thumbprint. Do you think that there's a chance that we'll have a different tech culture here? And would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I've I've been to Austin a number of times and I've had clients in Austin. So I really like my some good breakfast tacos. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All my meetings tacos. have always started out with <laughs> breakfast tacos. And I've had to come back to California and say, how come we don't have breakfast tacos? We have tacos. <laughs> we don't have breakfast tacos. But now I do think that the um, Silicon Valley, so to speak, has been, I'm literally in the heart of Silicon Valley, what used to be called the land of heart's delight which is where all the agriculture and all the farming, we still have a huge farm belt up and down the coast, but it's elastized, right? And I th- and there used to be shuttles in the 90s. There were shuttles, daily shuttles that would go back and forth from Silicon Valley to Austin very frequently. Um, and I say shuttles, I mean, it was like six, seven times a day, Southwest Airlines was going back and forth. The, those have reduced dramatically, but I do think it's there's there's a nice bridge between the two um, the, the two cities and, and the states in terms of, I mean, Elon Musk has decided he's going to move Tesla, right? Um, Dell has you know made a huge impact in Texas years ago, and and I know a lot of the security cybersecurity companies that I've worked with in the past have been in Austin, Texas, and there's a lot of economic reasons to do so. I think. To, 
unfortunately, Austin has also gotten to be as as expensive as any yeah. other major cities. Mm-hmm. So I do think you know Austin has a, you know it has it has an interesting dynamic because every year you have the South by Southwest, mm-hmm. uh, you know, conference which brings in the it was originally music and entertainment. Then you brought in the digital, and then you brought in uh, you know the science and and any cool company that is whether they're in. Uh, IoT or automation or robotics or AI, they want some form of presence at at South by Southwest. So I do think it's a hipster, you know, city. Yeah, for sure it is. I mean, and, and yes, the breakfast tacos are definitely amazing. Um, even even here in Houston, I had some this morning. I'm not going to lie. Nice. <laughs> so you know, talking. I love your podcast, by the way. Um, I think one of my my favorite episodes is with uh, Mercedes uh, Mercedes Soria. Soria. Right. I just so, so inspiring um, hearing like everything that she, she overcame. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking about it as I was listening to her episode that, um, you know, the premise of your podcast is before it happened. Um, and you take a deep dive and look at that singular light bulb moment, right. Um, that inspires uh, these visionaries to push forward and change their, their lives um, or our lives. So, after all these conversations you've been having um, with these visionaries, do you think that um, there is just one singular moment or that determines the whole trajectory or is it a series of things? And, you know, so that, that was just, you know, kind of one of the things that I was wondering. Yeah. I think it depends on the individual. It's, there's come, there's some interesting facts. So if I take a piece of paper and draw a line down the center Half the people that I, that are guests on my show have excelled in school. They were the top of their class, and they knew at a very young age they were going to do something amazing. I actually always try to put in my head each day that today's got a great day, and I'm on the verge of excellence. And I find that it was a very common thread with a lot of my guests. The other side of my guest is the totally opposite. They hated school. Could admit they couldn't wait to get out of school. They they had ADHD and they were just so eager to to do something and facilitate something. But both of them, regardless of the personality and and their skills, were people of change. So if you look at someone like Mercedes, who came from South America, who her and a twin sister, and they came and they 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 worked really hard. They shared shared a meal plan. I mean, I have three sisters, and none of us are going to share a meal plan. <laughs> and, and they they worked steadfast to get their degree. And then she did what a lot of us have to do: is kind of claw yourself up to the you know to the top. And she's very creative. But as a head of software engineering for a robotics company, she still doing some amazing things outside that. She's championed women and the tech women, the 50-50 women on boards. She's uh, spoken uh, you know, at international conferences and, and United Nations. I mean, she's just continued to, you know, to have more light bulb moments, right? So she's extremely uh, inspirational. And so I do think it just depends on the individual, but some people have a continuous light bulb moment. Um, but others just, you know, they do something so amazing and they just continue to keep threading it through. 
I mean, I think that's, I, I don't know. It's funny that you say, you know, you kind of have this dynamic between the people and, and I mean, it's inspiring and it's awesome because I think we all know people who like excelled in school and did really great. And, you know, people saw their trajectory kind of from that young age upwards. Right. And then the other class of people, I mean, I have friends on both sides of the spectrum that I would, you know, consider equally, you know, as brilliant, um, but that sometimes, you know, and, and I, and sometimes it just takes that kind of like flash of inspiration or just like realization of something that may be so obvious to some people, but it doesn't, it's not until it clicks, right. That you kind of maybe transform or revolutionize like your life and the ideas or really kind of get behind this kind of motivation for making a movement. Um, right. Well, we all learn differently. Right. And I yeah. think that's, I think when we talk about equity, I think we also need to talk about inclusion because inclusion means neurodiversity and, and, and diversity in general. And I'm excited about that because I've always thought in working with, with kids, I used to volunteer years ago at the Tech Museum of Innovation and it's a beautiful, fabulous building. So if anyone comes out to the Silicon Valley, go visit because it's a very hands-on experience. There's space area, there's transportation area, there's a, chemi- a chemistry area that just a human body. This is everything and very hands-on. But what I noticed when working with the little kids is how smart they were and they would tell me things. And like, if you listen and don't respond, you learn from them. Right. And, and I see the same in STEM education, robotic boot camps. And I was working with a, a company called Ubitech and they have these amazing STEM education robot kits. And so we took them into the classroom and we had kids with autism working with the head of the class and you know what? In teams together, these kids showed that their cognitive skills were functional in tandem. And they and the ones that were most enthusiastic about it were the were the kids that actually had, were, were autistic. And they they got it. They created it. And maybe they weren't the you know the first to complete. But what they completed was literally out of the box. They got really creative and they, they looked around and they said, oh, like Legos, I can take this part, this part, this part, and I can make something magnificent. And I think that creative creativity and being able to kind of um, team share like that is going to go a long way in creating these new work cultures and bringing you know, that, that, that diversity into every job function. And I, I, think, that it, I think that's going to be really key as well. But it also kind of brings us back into this, like, if we think about what this younger generation is, like the job opportunities and the creativity that's there, you know, it's interesting to me that as we were researching for this episode that I've learned, right, that computer science majors actually peaked in 1984, which blew my mind, right? And and it peaked at 37%. So it's not even like it peaked really, I mean, kind of close to 50%, but it, you know, it wasn't up there. Um, but today it's only around 18%, right? And so why do you think we haven't seen the same increase in women in tech as we have in the other STEM fields? Yeah, I mean, we absolutely still, we need programmers and developers and and you know, mechanical and and software engineers and all those and hardware engineers because everyone still says hardware is hard. Um, but I think because computers have become so you know commonplace now, at least in the Western world, I think that the prices have dropped, and I think people are integrating basic computer knowledge and science and data because the kids are growing up with it now, and it's it's used in jobs. It's used in every. STEM field you can imagine is use are using computers 
in some form of, of IoT smart devices. I was speaking to a CTO um, the other day. They're heading up a blockchain company, which is a whole new, another era. But 25 plus years in computer science and IT, her experience is invaluable in the blockchain market as a CTO. Because you can have blockchain without crypto, but you can't have crypto without blockchain. And businesses are trying to uh, uh, to employ blockchain as a means for not just employee human relations, but stock certificates, uh, large certificates of you know of, of money transfer, including venture capital, as well as uh, just you know regular payroll payments and even supply chain. So the fact that you can take your your experience in IT and computer science and apply it to these new emerging markets, to me, is phenomenal. I hope uh, that this emergent with every time we have new emerging markets and we have these convergence of things happening, it's going to allow old skills to come out of the back pocket and put them in the front pocket again. Yeah, and and I don't think we have we have the data on you know computer science is one major right for for people to go into tech, but there's you know uh, MIS degrees et cetera, and I I don't know if we see those same discrepancies in other aspects right. Um, so it, it could be that that stat is you know not uh, the complete picture of what what we might be seeing like actually out there in the tech world. We do, I mean I think we we all hear that the technical jobs tend to be more uh, male. And then there's definitely a stigma around that. Like you were saying, you know, the developers, blah, 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 right? Like, but, um, you know, I think that, I think you're right that um, we we will see that, that shift happening. Yeah. So, I mean, I've just really enjoyed this conversation with you, Donna. I think uh, it's, it'll be, it's very clear to me that you, you're an excellent communicator and storyteller, and I've been enjoying all of your episodes. We, we would like you to share with our listeners how they could connect to you. And if you have any recommendations on uh, books, articles, pod, obviously podcasts uh, that they should consume as well. Oh wow, my book, my, my book, my desk is full of books. I'm constantly <laughs> binging on things. Well, the Before It Happens show is 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 beforeitappened.com and it's the Before It Happens show on Instagram. I'm Donna Laughlin on LinkedIn, which is L O U G H L I N. Join me there. I love to connect with people in in a, a array of of career segments. Um and then lmgpr.com, which is my tech um, PR agency. Uh, what I'm reading now oh, is uh, like an array. I, I think my my go-to kind of business science things that I read, popular science still to this day is one of my favorites, Wired, uh, Wired Magazine. So this is my read right now. It's on my desk. I have Brian Seeley's Cyber Fraud and the Web of Lies. And this is an, an amazing book to teach individuals as well as businesses how to protect your assets and not use certain things that are freemiums. Um, so got to read this book, but Brian uh, is a former Marine turned hacker um, and a hacker with a, a with an ethical ha- hacker, as they call it, but he's actually helped the rest of us be able to champion the rest of us. Too. The other one I'm reading is Eric Pinion Binyal, Surfing Rug Waves, where he talks about the future of, of uh, all the technology and the transformation things of all coming together. Um, he started this out as a PhD project and he finally realized, oh, it, this is a making of a book. So it's really a compass to navigating the disruption of technology. Really interesting book. Then I'm reading The Evil Robots, Killer Computers and Other Myths. 
got to read this uh, by Dr. Stephen Schwartz. He uh, he was uh, recently on my podcast. Actually, all these gentlemen, there's no women here, was recently on the podcast. And then Peter Shankman's Faster Than Normal. We talked about neurodiversity. This is a book written by a very uh, successful entrepreneur who has ADHD and teaches you how to work with people who have ADHD. And it's a fast, fun read. So those are the those are my my four picks. And then I need to get busy because I have a book to write. And, That's awesome. <laughs> and the podcast came before the book. So I assume that you two will have your book coming soon as well. Oh, wonderful. We're so excited about that. Yeah. No, I'm I, I already love your storytelling on the podcast. So I'm really excited to be able to to read your your storytelling as well. The premise of the book will be um the artist narrative storytelling, but through the eyes of an acorn that ultimately becomes a unicorn. And so an a- oaks are very majestic trees, but you have to start with that 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 seeding of the of the acorn, right? And as acorns begin to grow and be nurture, and this could be for just your own personal development, but also for your business and entrepreneurship, ultimately, if you can, can you, you know, take that light bulb moment that we talked about and that becomes, you know, the equivalent to the acorn, then ultimately you can grow into what Wall Street likes to call the unicorn. So I, it's, it's on, it's, it's on more than a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> which was where a lot of my things start. It's on more than it. it's on my vision board. So, you know, it's going to happen. And it's definitely, it's, you know, it's, it's in, it's in progress, but I'm excited to be it. But the before it happened is, is a, is a key, key component of that. But the, you know, the acorns, I think we all need to plant acorns in our life mm-hmm. and continue to nurture our own personal growth, our, our continuous education, um, our engagement with each, with each other, the, um, this is the sisterhood, uh, you know, of, 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 of STEM, so to speak. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm, you know, I can't, I'll have to come back and when I have the book, because you can't just declare it's coming and not deliver. <laughs> it's it's out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's out there. It's out there. I think I've declared it three times this week. <laughs> We're excited. Yes. We appreciate all of your insights today. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun and very informative and inspiring as well. I'm excited to go out and continue growing our sisterhood of STEM. We're going to start using that. I think um, I love it. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Anna. Now can I have a breakfast taco? (laughs) 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 On the next episode of Wisecast, we are diving into the important topic of mental health, especially for the youth living in today's world. Thanks as always for listening and supporting us. Don't forget to check out thewisestwomen.com, subscribe to our channels, and if for some reason you haven't yet, make sure you tell all of your friends. I am Dr. Amber Miller. And I am Dr. Richa Chambers.